Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Amos 1, 1 through 2, 16. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Amos in your Bible. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of King Uzziah of Judah, and in the days of King Jeroboam, son of Joash of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds wither, and the top of Carmel dries up. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. So I will send a fire on the house of Aziel, and it shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. I will break the gate bars of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon. And the one who holds the scepter from Beth Eden and the people of Aram shall go into exile to Ker, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they carried into exile entire communities to hand them over to Edom. So I'll send a fire on the wall of Gaza, fire that shall devour its strongholds. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my head against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines uh, shall perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they delivered entire communities over to Edom and did not remember the covenant of kinship. So I'll send a fire on the wall of Tyre, fire that shall devour its strongholds, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. Father and son go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink wine bought with fines they imposed. Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars and who was as strong as oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your children to be prophets and some of your youth to be Nazarites. Is it, is it not indeed so, O people of Israel, says the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. So I will press you down in your place, just as a cart presses down when it is full of sheaves. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain their strength, nor shall the mighty save their lives. Those who handle the bow shall not stand, and those who are swift of foot shall not save themselves, nor shall those who ride horses save their lives. And those who are stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, says the Lord. Word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. All right, so that's not exactly cheery you were paying attention. Uh, I want to say this at the beginning of this season of Lent. I want you to stay with me. We are ultimately going somewhere that ends on a good note. I don't want us to get bogged down in 
uh, in what will happen or what the things that we're going to talk about. Because I'm convinced, uh, well, this is the Bible, and I kind of want to preach all of the Bible, not just the parts I like the best. Um, Because some people do that. I try not to, although it's a temptation. Um, And I think it has something to say to us that's, uh, well, that, that... that may sound like it's beating us down, but it's not, okay? So I'm just going to ask you to trust me today, okay? And the next couple of weeks. Uh, I told Lori that I was going to preach through a lot of Amos, and she's like, don't do it. <laughs> um, so I didn't listen to her. Um, but uh, I, I, hope it'll, I hope it will go okay for us. I, I believe that God has things to say uh, to us in this, and I and hope we'll, we'll emerge on Easter Sunday a better, more faithful people. Well, I want, you, I want you to turn your imagination on this morning. I want you to pretend that you are in Israel, uh, the northern nation of Israel. Uh, it is around the year 700 uh, BCE, so before Jesus, 750 years before Jesus. You are an elder in the city. You live in a kind of a big city. You have uh, significant means. Uh, you are not poor. And you are sitting in the gate of the city, which is where uh, people would have gathered together to, uh, to govern the city and to hear disputes and to offer judgments and, and rulings on things. Also kind of a social area where you're hanging out. Well, I imagine you're, you're sitting there and you're talking with your friends uh, the other elders of the city. And in the distance, you see a man walking towards the city gate. And he looks, he looks just normal, like this happens every once in a while. And he gets a little closer, and you realize he's, he's not exactly well-to-do. He's, he's not maybe dirt poor either. Uh, but he walks into the city of the gate and uh, uh, introduces himself to you. He says, hi. He's like, my name is Amos, and I'm from a small town. In Judah. So if you remember uh, Israelite history a little bit, Judah is a southern nation. It's where Jerusalem is and Bethlehem and all those things. And Israel's the northern nation, which is where you all live at the current moment. And uh, they were a unified kingdom under David, but after Solomon happens, they split into two. And we have the northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. Both God's people, just, you know, a bad breakup, if you will. Well, he walks up and he says, I'm from Tekoah. And I, I, I do things with sheep. I breed them, I herd them, and, well, the Lord told me to come here and to tell you some things. And, and at first you're like, this is going to be good, right? <laughs> like, have, have you ever had those, those, uh, those times where you've been somewhere and, and someone's coming up to you and be like, I have something to say. And, and you just know that whatever is going to come out of their mouth next is is going to be gold, right? Uh, anyway, so, uh, so they're there, and he begins, and he starts off, and he says, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. Now, if you're a good Jewish person, Jerusalem is the center of the universe for you. It is where the temple lives, and it's where God's presence was thought to dwell and where you could go to, to worship and offer sacrifice and, and receive forgiveness and things like that. And, and so right away, you're thinking as you're sitting there, like, this language is familiar to me. I've heard these kinds of things before. Um, it's, it's kind of judgment, curse kind of language. And, and again, you're thinking, okay, this could go one of two ways. 
And uh, one way it's good and one way it's not so good for me, we'll see what happens we'll, before we run this poor fellow out of town. Um, and uh, so uh, he goes on and he says this. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke punishment. Uh, and immediately you're like, okay. Judgment. He didn't say Israel. He didn't say my hometown. He said Damascus. Now, a couple of things are really important here that you might need to understand in order to fully get what Amos is saying to us today. One is in, in the Bible, and especially what Amos will say throughout the, the, the whole work, is that there is this understanding that God is in covenant with all of creation. Uh, that God has created it and entered into a relationship with it so that, so that it might flourish in the way that he intended it to do. Uh, that, that he has entered into a relationship with, with all of the nations. They may not know that necessarily, but God is working and he wants them to be faithful and obedient as well. Of course, Israel has entered into covenant with God as well. So um, we'll get to it at the end, but, but you know the story of, of of Abraham, when God says, I'm going to make to you a great nation. You're going to be a blessing to the entire world, and uh, all of the nations will be blessed through you. He makes covenant with uh, Isaac and Jacob, and he makes a covenant with, with Moses as they come up out of slavery from Egypt. He makes a covenant with them as they enter into the promised land uh, to take possession of the place that God has prepared for them. A covenant, though, has two sides to it, right? So a covenant, uh, most of the covenants we might think about today are marriage, right? Marriage is a covenant. It's an agreement between two folks who, who pledge fidelity to each other. And so in, in all of this interaction with, with God and Israel, that God has, has promised to be faithful to them and Israel has promised to be faithful in return. Uh, if you were to, to read the, the first couple of books of the Bible, you'll see that there, there are consequences for not being faithful, as there always are. Uh, A lot of these consequences, um, curses they're called in the Bible, are are simply a result of the, well, the natural, the natural byproducts of the decisions that you make. Uh, The natural consequences for doing things in an unfaithful manner. Uh, But God also has a bunch of blessings that if you are faithful and good and true, then God is going to, to, to bless Israel and do all of these things and bless the world. And so you're sitting there and you, uh, you see this and you're like, okay, okay, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Damascus. Damascus is in Syria. And for four, I will not revoke punishment. Now, um, here's a little map for you. Uh, Kingdom of, of Aram in Damascus, so up there in the upper right-hand corner. Of course, the kingdom of Judah is down uh, kind of in the middle there, the star where, where Jerusalem is. And then the northern kingdom of Israel, where Samaria is, the star right under the R of Israel. And we've got all of these nations around. And, and these are going to be the ones that, well, that Amos, Amos talks about. Uh, another thing I should say, as, as Amos is working through these Ah, through these curses, is that the stuff, the stuff that Amos says isn't anything that normal people wouldn't call evil or sin. Okay, so, for instance, 
because they have, this is, I don't have it on the screen, but because um, there was just a whole lot too much to put on the screen. For Damascus, I will not revoke punishment because they have threshed Gilead with threshing, that's hard to say, threshing, threshing sledges of iron. Uh, the, the image here is that, that Syria, Damascus, that they have cut down other people. Not, just they have, not that they've just cut down these people, but they've, they've taken them and milled them and, and turned them into grain, ground them up into little, into little bits. Pretty, pretty stark image. Well, it goes on, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. So Gaza's kind of down down there, where it says Philistine states, the brown one, it's kind of on the curve right there. Uh, I will send fire on the wall. I'll cut off its inhabitants. Uh, uh, let's see. Because they carried entire communities off into exile. Again, for, for transgressions of Tyre, um, I want to revoke punishment because they have delivered entire communities over to Edom and did not remember their covenant of kinship. They're selling out their own family. That's what that's what Tyre has done, or Edom has done. It keeps going. And, and, and uh, for the Ammonites, uh, because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead in order to enlarge their territory, they have gone in and invaded a place and have spared absolutely nobody. Again, that's cruel. It's harsh. Uh, finally, we get to, to Moab. For three transgressions of Moab and four, I will not revoke the punishment because he has burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So the evil that, that this country is doing is not, doesn't just stop with like killing somebody. That have, they have taken these folks' bones and turned them into a commercial product. Right. I told you to stick with me. We're going. We're, we'll, we'll be okay, okay? But I want you to, 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 to imagine this. You're, you're, you're an Israelite. You're sitting here in the city, and you hear Amos talking, and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, uh, Damascus and Gaza and Tyre, which is up towards the top, and Moab and Edom, and you're thinking, uh, maybe you know your geography, maybe you don't, but, but all of these people that Amos is talking about are historic enemies of God's people. And so you're getting a little giddy, like, you're excited because, because God is, is punishing evil sinners. And you're like, huh, this is, this is really good. This is really good. God's, God's bringing vengeance on our enemies. Now, I, I should say at this point, too, that, that Israel is in a really good spot financially. Their house is in order. They've got money. They're affluent. And maybe they've been good. Maybe they haven't. Verse 4 in chapter 2. Uh, let me get to it. Oh, we're not there yet. Okay, verse 4 in chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, but they have led astray by the same lives after which their ancestors walked. So I will set on fire Judah and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. Now, I told you there was a bad breakup here, right? And, and so the excitement that has been building all the way through all of Israel's uh, enemies has come to, well, it's come to a boiling point. 
they are beyond excited. The only thing I could think of is how they might have reacted was the same way that the people I was with on Super Bowl Sunday reacted when the little screensaver thing hit the corner of the screen. Do you, do you remember that? Okay, no? Just, just me? We were excited. Yeah, we were there. Like, it, it, and we all like jumped up and down and shouted because it was the most amazing thing. Because if you remember the little screensaver thing, it, never mind, you guys. You get it. You get it. Thank you. They are excited. This is like the most excited thing that they have, they have heard in a really, really long time. They're like, not only is God punishing all of our enemies, he is punishing our, our well, our ex-neighbors, ex-brothers, whatever, because we don't like them. And it's just sweet because they think they, they got everything. They have Jerusalem and the temple and they're all stuck up. And, and if God's going to punish them, that's just really good because they think they're better than they are. So, imagine that feeling. By the way, by the way, uh, we would never rejoice at the punishment of our enemies, right? No? No? Here we go. Verse 6. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the heads of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way, father and son go into the same girl, and that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge, and in the house of their God they drink wine brought with fines they imposed. I can imagine at that moment when Amos gets done with that, the city gate is quiet. They have gone from a feeling of jubilation and excitement because God is punishing their enemies to shame, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, people act differently in these kinds of situations. Maybe some of them hung their head because they knew this, this word that God was bringing was correct. Maybe some of them got super angry because, well, they knew the word that Amos was saying was correct, but they didn't want well, to own up to it. Who knows? Who knows what it was like? Uh, but I imagine, I imagine in my mind that, that Amos quickly goes away. Maybe not. I don't know. Let's walk through some of these things here. And, and I don't want to belabor this, but I think it's important for us to, to see what, what God is interested in here. Uh, so if you've got it on your, on your, in your Bible, uh, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, uh, they, have, they have taken the good and right people and the vulnerable people and they have sold them, like slavery kind of thing. Now, now slavery in Israel was, was a little bit different than you and I think about it, and, and ultimately the goal was always to have that person restored to the land or the thing that they, well, that they owed. So imagine this scenario. Imagine you had lent someone a pair of sandals, and they've used those pair of sandals, and they've never paid you for it. And so you take them and you make them your slave 
because they haven't paid you back for a pair of sandals. That's small, right? That's small. Uh, We'll say flip-flops, the Old Navy kind that fall apart (laughs) in two weeks. They who trample the head of poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. Um, the phrase trampling the head is, is, is an image often used in the Middle East of complete and utter subjugation. Like kings of the world would use this to depict what they had done to their enemies. Uh, because if you're stomping on somebody's head, they're not fighting back anymore, right? Uh, I, I know, I told you, it gets dark. Don't worry, it'll be better. This is, this is how Israel is treating uh, maybe not the strong and the powerful, but the lowly. It gets worse. Father and son go into the same girl and that my, so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar and on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink wine brought with fines they imposed. This is, this is more than just, okay, this whole thing goes together. And the image is, uh, in the, the time, there were temple prostitutes. Uh, and so they have taken their, their worship of God and they have defamed it, uh, defiled it. Uh, and this was kind of common throughout the rest of the world, but God had called them to be different. And it's not just that the, they're going in and, and doing those things, but they are doing them uh, in places that are holy. Uh, and they have taken with them garments, a cloak. So a cloak was the outside garment. It was something that you couldn't take from somebody overnight. Like if, if someone owed you something, you could take their garment as pledge, but you had to give it back at the end of the night so that they could sleep in warmth. They've, they're just totally abusing the people that owe them things. Uh, they're defiling the religion that God has given them. Uh, they're, they're taking money that, that was levied as fines for people who did small infractions to buy wine so they could get drunk and have fun in the temple. Israel has, has fallen off the rails in their, in their affluence in the grace that God has given them, in all of the blessings, they have forgotten who they are and how they are to act. Uh, They have forgotten that God has brought them up out of Egypt from slavery, that God has given them this land, that, that God wants to use them to bless the entire world. They have forgotten that that God has called them and blessed them not so that they could use it all for themselves, but they could do it in the service of others. 2.10, also I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorites. Uh, Amos is reminding them of who they are and where they've come from. Now you ask yourself, Jason, what in the world? Why in the world have you 
like explained all of this brutal stuff, this unfaithfulness that Israel. It's like we are not, we are not half as bad as this. Nobody I know here has stopped on anybody's head. At least I think. Uh, you're not, you're not, you're not selling people into slavery for a paltry sum. You're not trading lives for Old Navy flip-flops. You're, you're not bad folks. I, and as far as I can tell, you're not defiling our religion with prostitutes. It's tough to say in church. Yeah. So why, why in the world would we begin this way? Why in the world would we, we I don't know, tell this story? We cannot, we cannot be what God is calling us to be. We cannot do the work in the world that God is calling us to do. We cannot bless folks. We cannot call them to a faith in Christ unless we confront our own sinfulness. The thing that was getting in the way of Israel was themselves. That they had taken all the good things that God had given them and used them for themselves, including their religion. And they were useless to God. We, we talk about this at the beginning of Lent because, and, and I've asked you last week as, as we started this, uh, to, to give up something in Lent that allows you to take time to sit and listen to God and hear what God is calling you to do. To sit time and, and to ask God to give you wisdom and discernment. That's why we prayed that at the beginning. Uh, so that you might act and live right among your neighbors, that you might love them fully as God has loved you. I ask you to, to pray for the strength then to be faithful and obedient, to do the things that God has called us to do for you and for your family and for us as a church. Part of that is confession and repentance. Part of that is owning up to the fact that we have been prone to use the things that God has given us in his goodness and his grace for our own benefit, including maybe our religion, our faith. What I want, what, what I think Amos wants, what God wants in this moment is for us to identify our sinfulness, to point to it. Maybe you don't got to stand up in the middle of church and and confess it. I'm not asking you to do that. But to say, I have been selfish. I, in, in ways that maybe I don't understand, I've used other people for my own good. I haven't been generous or hospitable. Because I think, I think we've often made sin about like the things that we don't do. Uh, Swearing, whatever, I don't know. And, and, and we make it all about us, but I, but I think maybe more importantly, sin, sin is about what we do to other people. How our selfishness affects the lives of others on maybe a micro level and a macro level. 
certainly. That's kind of Amos's critique, not just of Israel, but of all of those people, that they have participated in systems that have oppressed others. Well, they've done it on their own as well. So, not, not to belabor it, but this is what I want us to do. Uh, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper here in a second, and I want you to come up, and as you do that, pray that God may reveal to you the ways in which your selfishness has hurt other people's and has not allowed you to be the blessing in your community that you are called to be. To confess that and then to ask for strength and wisdom to repent, to turn and walk away from those things towards Christ and his love and his grace and his sacrifice for us. A sacrifice that said, my will is not as important as the salvation of those around me. Because at the end of the day, we are Christian. We are a church, not just for ourselves. We are Christian. We are a church for the people who sit beside us, for our mothers and our fathers, for our sons and our daughters, for our bosses, for our landlords, for the people who live next to us, and for our enemies. That last one's hard. If we are, well, if we're going to be who God is calling us to be, if we are to be a people who love our neighbor as ourselves, this is how we start. Let's pray. Dear Lord, these have been tough verses to read. Uh, nobody likes to talk about judgment. We have so much, so much brokenness and hurt already. Uh, we don't need, we don't need our faith taking us down. Lord, help us to receive what we've read today and what we've heard in. Uh, in the right way. Uh, that yes, it is, it is judgment. It is pointing out of the things uh, that we have done wrong. But it is also a call. It is a call to repent and turn from those things so that we might, we might take up our place as participants in your good news in this world. This is why we ask for strength. Uh, because turning from our own selfishness is very, very hard. And so, Lord, we ask that as we, as we receive this meal in a moment, your supper, which is the ultimate symbol in, of non-selfishness, of self-sacrifice, of, of love for your neighbors, that as we receive these little bits of grape and grape juice and bread, that not only would we have the strength to repent and confess, but that we would be strengthened to go out 
and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To participate alongside you in the work that you are doing to bring about goodness and grace, healing, equity and justice and righteousness so that our world can be all that you hoped and dreamed it would be. Or give us strength. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.